there. Welcome to the Female Empowerment Podcast. My name is Carly, and I'm a big believer in actively bringing about more goodness to our communities. It feels good to know that we're not alone and that someone else out there has experienced the same challenge we're facing now. Whether those challenges are related to business, motherhood, or general life as a woman, this podcast is a platform that I've created to allow women to share their inspirational stories and greatest business tips to help make your day just a little bit better and your life just a little bit easier. Keep listening to learn from our amazing guest of the day and be sure to share this episode with a friend. Welcome back everyone to the Female Empowerment Podcast. Well, as always, I'm always so excited to introduce my next guest and today's guest is Reagan Hale. A little bit about her, she grew up in Amarillo, Texas. And while she was there, Reagan saw her peers leave town to chase opportunities that seemed to exist only in big cities, and she herself followed the same narrative to pursue a better life. Movies, books, television series all reinforce the idea that success lies in a big city, but now Reagan is back in Amarillo to reshape the narrative. Reagan is leading the ideation and development of the Innovation Outpost which will help lead Amarillo and regional businesses through the digital transformation needed to compete in the 21st century. During the pandemic, Reagan noticed how technology has decentralized business, allowing for partnerships to be built across time zones and reducing the need to relocate to a big city. Reagan's vision for the Innovation Outpost is to boost Amarillo's business community, assist with reskilling and upskilling companies, and turn Amarillo into a regional business hub bustling with high-quality jobs and opportunity. She hopes that in 10 years, her children will graduate high school and be proud to change career opportunities in Amarillo. I think Reagan is a perfect example of how a woman and mother can create positive change within her own community. And that's why I was so excited to have the opportunity to have her on the podcast. Thank you so much for being with me today, Reagan. Um, I really am just so excited to have you here. I know that a lot of what you're doing is in Amarillo, meant to stay in Amarillo. And we have listeners all over the world, but I think the patterns and the experience that you've had is something that can benefit all women anyway. Absolutely. Well, thanks for having me, Carly. Um, I'm excited to be here. You know, I think um, when I look at my story, I don't know that it's necessarily unique from a lot of women. Um, I think we all have shared struggles, and I think it's great that you give women in the platform to discuss those stories together so we don't feel alone in that. But but yeah, absolutely. My story and what we're doing here in um, our little corner of Texas, I really think um, we could all learn from each other and, and take lessons learned to our own communities for sure. Definitely. Do you mind tell us a little bit about your background and what led you to create Innovation Outpost? Absolutely. Well, I grew up um, here in West Texas. And like you said in the intro, just had my heart set on leaving. I think if you talk to anyone that I went to high school with, they just would have absolutely assumed that I would end up in Manhattan um, working for an investment bank and never return to our um, rural community. And for a while, I did that. I left really quickly upon high school graduation and then even after college and immediately moved to Amarillo and 
worked for an investment company, um, worked for several major national organizations. And then at the time, got married, you know, like a lot of us do in our 20s. And at the time, um, I had to reinvent myself several times in my career as we traveled with my husband's job. And I think a lot of women end up in that position that so often we look at our career as secondary to our partners or our spouses. And um, so we moved quite frequently while he was in the military. And, and with every move came a new career reinvention. It was a new community, a new job, um, which in some ways I enjoyed because I liked the challenge. But after about eight years, we ended up back in Texas for my husband to go to law school. And so I was working full-time. I'd been out of um, the full-time career world for a little while, raising um, our kids. But when my husband went to law school, it was now my turn to um, support our family, which was fantastic. And I realized that I really enjoyed working. Um, my mom had been a stay-at-home mom, and so I felt that that's what I was supposed to do. I didn't have a lot of mentors, role models, or women that worked and raised children. Um, I think I'm 42. I think a lot of women my age from smaller towns, that's just what we saw. We only saw women um, that stayed home. So for me, it was a really new um, adventure. I was like, how do I do this? I don't know women to ask advice. I don't, I can't call my mom and say, how do I pick the best daycare? I, you know, I just didn't have those resources because it wasn't something that she experienced. Um, so I had to learn to navigate that. And um, eventually we moved back to Amarillo. Absolutely could not believe I was doing that, um, to be quite honest. I remember when my husband told me he got a job in Amarillo, I sat on my kitchen floor and cried. I was like, no, you, got, you can't. No, no way. I don't want to go back. Um, and then eventually to be in a position with our economic development organization in the city, whose really primary role is to create a better um, economic environment for the community. But when you expand the community's economic opportunities, you're really expanding quality of life. You're expanding education opportunities. You're expanding all of those things that so many of us working moms really want for our children. And I think when I saw that, when I saw the impact that my role could have within our community, it changed everything for me. It said, well, you left this town, you know, at 17, swearing you're never going to come back. And here you are, and you have the opportunity to change that experience for so many people. What are you going to do with it? Um, and so the opportunity when I got the chance to create and work for the Innovation Outpost and coordination with our college, it was really the next evolution of what I've been doing Um Really, really focusing on those sexy technology and companies, jobs, opportunities that so many of our young people really wanted. And it was going to be the opportunity to really retain a lot of the young people, the energy, the vibrancy that so many of us chase in larger communities. Now we've had a way to grow and cultivate that here. So I just saw it was an incredible opportunity for me to jump in become a leader and to um, be a part of an organization that was really going to shape our community for generations. Oh, thank you. And all that, and I know so little about technology. So, um, 
in some ways that feel completely like the blind leading the blind, but sometimes that's what we got to do. Definitely. And especially in the technology realm, I feel like it's very much learn as you go, especially even if you didn't grow up with technology, even if you do, like there's always new technology and everyone's always learning as they go. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think sometimes once you understand that, that everybody is a little bit lost to some degree, some more than others, me usually more than others. And um, once you realize that we're all in this together and we're all learning as we go, man, it takes so much of the pressure off, um, which I think, you know, looking at a lot of your episodes, so many of us women, we just pile on the pressure on ourselves um, to really perform and be perfect. But I think we have to learn not to do that. Yeah, that's very true. Um, let's talk about that a little bit. Tell me about how you've learned to give yourself grace as a woman um, navigating this career path or even like as a mom. What are some things that you've just had to let go of or, um, yeah, examples of when you've had to give yourself grace? Oh, well, I remember the first major mistake I made, uh, fresh out of the box, new job. I think I was 22, working for a major brokerage firm, trading bonds. Um, and really had no idea what I was doing, but I didn't like to admit that. And I remember one day I went to order, like enter this huge order for one of our major banking clients. And instead of entering a sell order, I put in a buy order for like millions of dollars of my product. And the minute I hit enter and I looked at it, I mean, my heart sank. I was like, oh my gosh. Um, and I was terrified. But, and I think so often, you know, you would really try to fix it yourself, but I just absolutely didn't know what to do. And I remember having to look to my boss and go, I just made a mistake. What do I do? How do I fix it? And he jumped in and helped me. And thankfully the market moved in our favor. We made a little money on the deal. But I mean, I remember beating myself up over it and being terrified um, every time I entered an order. And, um, and it's just a simple error. And I think so many times we make, simple errors that we blow those up in our minds and really it wasn't until for me until I became a mom and watched my kids with kind of the same mentality you know these kind of type a driven children when they make a mistake when you have to kind of talk them out of it or even when I had a staff um you know when I first started having a staff and I managed and you watch them and they make minor mistakes and you're like hey What's okay? You learned from it. What'd you learn from? You know, me, that first job when I made my error, I learned double check. Did I put a five or a self? Um, so I think as I got a little older and really worked with people more and kind of stood back from the situation, you learn, you know, mistakes just happen. It does not matter how smart you are, how hard you work, what happens. Sometimes it just doesn't fall right. Um, but as long as you take something away from it, as long as you learn from it, as long as it taught you something, man, it's a lot easier to kind of dust it off and, and move on. Otherwise, you're just going to beat yourself up from, from it, you know, all the time. Oh, I love that so much. And it's, just, it's such a good reminder. I feel like in my social circles, there's kind of every, I hear that message every now and again, but it's like, you can't stop hearing that. Like you always need to hear, it's okay 
everyone makes mistakes and right learn from it and we move on yeah yeah doesn't make it any less terrifying when you mess up but you know you can really go okay what how did i make what happened you know sometimes i'm distracted or you know then it it just can kind of help and it's not necessary to beat yourself up about it for you know for a long time afterwards right right um i would love to hear about your experience becoming an executive and a leader in your industry especially as a woman what kind of obstacle have you faced that could be different compared to what men would face or i'm so absolutely absolutely um, you know, I know like that first job I had um, in the brokerage sector, I was really young. I graduated college really early. I started my, that job when I was 21 and all of our clients were major financial institutions, Fortune 500 companies. Um, and I had a great relationship with my clients, but I only knew them over the phone. And my boss, who was a man is in his 60s, did not want any of my clients to meet me and find out that I was a young I mean, they knew I was female, but to find out really how young I was. So they would go on client visits um, and, and meet my clients. And my clients never understood why I never got to go. But my boss was really nervous to show that I was so young, um, which at the time kind of bothered me. Looking back now, I wish I would have spoken up. But you're so terrified, you know, that first time I'm at a call. You're just, you're really nervous. Um, and so kind of throughout my career, you know, I, I don't think, you know, I can, like, I have a, a girl that's, she was a former intern of mine. She moved up through an organization and she's looking at applying to a new role. Um, and I've been coaching her through how to apply for jobs and be assertive. And I really don't think you can learn that assertiveness until you've really kind of been in the trenches for a little bit. Um, I know for me personally, it took me being in roles where I was the only female at the table in a boardroom surrounded by a dozen men, usually a lot older than me. Um, and I, I felt, um, I knew I was smart. I knew I was good at my job. And there would be times that I just felt it necessary to interject in the conversation and you know, say when I felt like something was going the wrong way or interject some information that I felt was relevant to a decision we were making. And really, um, when I did that at one point, I think I was, I think it was only about 29 or 30 in a role where I did that in a meeting and a gentleman that became my boss watched me in that meeting being willing to stand up around people that were way more senior than me. Um, but he saw my, um, you know, just the fact that I wanted to, that I felt like I had something to contribute then that I wasn't afraid to share it. And he recruited me out of my role because he said, you know what? I need someone that's not afraid to stand up. Um, and you weren't afraid to stand up in that meeting. You didn't care that you were super junior you didn't care, you know, that you were, you were the only woman in a heavily male-dominated academic field. Um, you felt it was important. And that's what I need. I need someone that like that. And I think, I mean, it's terrifying to do that. Um, but I think when you can find your voice and you know that you feel confidently about a position, we have to remember that we don't necessarily need permission 
to say how we feel. I mean, the, the men in the room certainly don't ask for permission. And they just speak up. But I think so often we as females sit back and wait to either raise our hand or to be asked to contribute. But um, you know, no one hands out invitations for the opinions. You just have to be willing to do that. But it's terrifying for sure. Um, and, and I've also had people say, you know, going into meetings, they say, as a woman, people are going to trust you because um, you know, females are usually more trusted, especially like in a sales position or um, some types of leadership positions. But they'll trust you and they'll let you in the door. But once you're in the door, it's harder for them to believe that you know what you're talking about. So I think to a lot of women and young girls that I talk to, I say, you can get those doors opened. Um, people are going to be willing to listen to you. But once you get in that door, it's on you to know your subject. It's on you to know your product. It's on you to know what you're doing because you're the only one that can really show what you're worth. You know, um, don't wait for an invitation to be, um, to speak. But when you do get that chance, be on point, you know, um, really for yourself. I don't know that necessarily answered your question, but, um, yeah. yeah, it did for sure. I think that is just so interesting. You raised a lot of really good points um, and pointed out a lot of tendencies that we do have as women to kind of be more um, socially aware of other people's opinions and like how they feel and taking those things into consideration. I feel like that's a natural gift that women tend to have and um, men will just say what they think. <laughs> so that kind of gives them that they've been practicing that their whole lives and so they in meetings will say what they think and women need to go ahead and do that too and not really right care so but, how they're feeling about it yeah but to your point women have a lot of emotional intelligence you know that the whole emotional iq piece um that we've kind of talked down for so long now you know as we're bringing in people with different personalities backgrounds experiences the fact that women really do have a higher level of emotional intelligence to be able to read the room and understand you know someone looks tense or what's going on that really can play in our favor so i think a lot of times we as women need to realize that some of the things that we once thought that may have hindered us like you know delicately dancing around personalities we can use that as a straight to be better readers um when given the chance so true um yeah i love that so much so i also love that you've moved around a lot and you've experienced um leadership roles and different business roles in lots of different places i'm curious to know if um obstacles or resistance that you face was different in different like states or different areas versus like like a blue like a blue state versus a red state mm -hmm. i also live in a red state like texas and so mm -hmm. i see obstacles here but i don't know if they're different in places like california or other more liberal areas right right well i mean so i've mainly lived in the south so, you know, a lot of red states. However, I would say that even though, you know, I might have lived in um, red states, I definitely worked in industries that may have had more kind of liberal or democratic leniencies or um, tendencies. 
So I think it's interesting. I mean, I can't say that my experience with those leadership models has necessarily been different. What I will say is my experience working in larger cities versus smaller cities has definitely been different. Um, I think in some respects, you know, they both have their pluses and minuses. Uh, bigger cities, they understand a lot of times, um, you know, you've got to make accommodations for working mothers. You've, you know, they, they understand their employees have needs and there's some stuff you've got to do. Whereas in some smaller communities um, where maybe there aren't as many working mothers, employers don't respond to those needs or those requests or demands quite as, um, as rapidly. So, but I do think they're catching up quite a bit. I think it's becoming um, much more the norm. I mean, I remember, you know, I have a crazy story when I was working um, and just had my third daughter. You know, these nursing rooms weren't available, like the rooms where you can go and pump. Um, they just weren't around. And so I had just had my third daughter. I was leading a team. Thankfully, at the time, it was all women, but we all shared one office, no walls, no anything. And I'm super busy, had a lot going on. And I did not have time to go like find a place to pump and take 30 to 45 minutes, three or four times a day. Um, and thankfully, the women I worked with were also mothers. And so I would just sit at my desk, put my pump under my t-shirt, put a sign on the door, say, please knock. And I would pump and work all throughout the day. Um, and, you know, at the time I couldn't really talk about it. I talked about it with my coworkers. Um, but I, you know, there really wasn't the vehicle to be able to, you know, go up to senior leadership and say, Hey, I need you to designate a free room somewhere for me to do this. That just wasn't available. And so now to know that women have that opportunity and it's so much more readily available, gosh, that's fantastic. You know, um, especially because a few people didn't pay attention to the sign on the door and barged in and that was horribly embarrassing, but it makes for a good story. Definitely. And it probably helps too for them to realize that we need to make a place for yeah. you to comfortably do that yeah. and let's be able to, um, yeah, be able to keep up with working stuff. Yeah. There definitely is kind of a revolution right now, especially with, moms and like maternity leave and breastfeeding and making accommodations i feel like there's still a lot of progress to be made but the conversations are being held now which i think is right a really good step <laughs> right and i think it's going to be interesting you know post-covid as so many companies go to a, a, a remote work policy or even a hybrid policy i think it's going to be interesting in the next two, three, four years to see if there's the opportunity for a lot more women to take roles that maybe they've been hesitant to take before because they felt that need to pick, do I have to go to work or can I stay home? Because um, it's not an easy decision. I don't care who you are. It, it's difficult, especially if you're driven and um, you know you like your job. So I think women have an opportunity really um, following this entire pandemic and the shift in the way um, the world's working, it's going to be interesting to see how um, how the workplace changes and if women are able to take additional additional roles. I really hope so. Um, I think it'll be amazing. I mean, I have a lot of women on my staff, and you know, we become caregivers of our children, of our husbands, of our parents, um, 
And really, I think women are the best multitaskers and they're most efficient employees I've ever had. And so if they say, hey, Reagan, I've got to work from home. You know, my child's sick or something's going on. Nine times out of 10, I don't really pause because I know that woman knows how to juggle. Um, She knows how to get some things done. It may not happen between eight to five. She may be taking calls while she's also folding laundry. I really don't care. She's able to get a lot of stuff done. Um, So I'm really excited to see what happens for women in the next couple of years. I agree. Me too. I think it's a, there's a really big opportunity for us right now to lean into these changes and spur more changes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Have you ever had to have these educational conversations with people to help open the doors for yourself more and for women following you? Yes. Yes. Um, and then I would say sometimes... Mm, I would say of the few times that I've done it, probably the three or four times that I've spoken up, there's really only been once or twice that I was met with pushback. Um, and it's interesting, given that we were just discuss- discussing working from home. Um, I have three kids. And so when summertime comes and my kids are at school, it, it's chaos. You know, what do I do with my three kids that are young during the day? Um, while I'm at work because before COVID we were not allowed to really work from home that wasn't super accepted but I've got to figure out how to manage them could I work from home while they're still in bed because to pay for a nanny or to pay for camps or any of that just completely guts your bank account so I remember talking to my boss at the time saying hey is there any way that I can have kind of a flexible schedule during summer well, all of my kids are home so that, um, you know, I can just manage it. So I'm not having to pay hand over fist or I've got to be able to run them back and forth between camps. And at the time, my boss was like, well, you're just going to have to take vacation time every time you leave. And I thought, you're going to be kidding me. You know, I mean, if, even if I'm running over somewhere, you know, I can do all my phone calls, um, different ways, you know, I can do my exactly what I'm doing at my desk at home. And he was just like, you know, I'm, I'm sorry. If you're not in the office, I can't really believe that you're working. And it was the 12 months until COVID hit. Um, and I remember at the time telling him, you know, if that's going to be your policy, you're going to not, you won't be able to hire working mothers. Like there's no way you'll hire a woman that can work in this environment. And he just said, well, maybe I won't hire women. And I thought, you've got to be kidding me. Um, and it was interesting because within less than 12 months, COVID had happened and, um, we immediately had to start working remotely. And so now, you know, you shift several years later, you know, months later, and then that organization has this super flexible work policy and, you know, it's, I don't know, it's, it's interesting, but that individual had come from a very, um, super conservative mindset that work only happens at the office it has to happen at your desk you know if you're ever not at your desk work can't be happening you know if if you're going to be a mom and be a professional you've got to pick um so i think it's it will be interesting to see if those individuals that had that mindset does that change long term is it a short-term change um i hope that it remains a longer term change and they understand like 
no, you know, my, my thoughts before this were way off base and, and this can shift, but it's interesting. And I was the only woman having that discussion on a staff full of all men, um, whose wives all stayed at home. None of them worked. So it was interesting. Oh, definitely. I was just thinking about how challenging it must have felt to have that conversation and feel like no one else was on your side and no one really understood and no one was willing to change. And I really applaud you for really pushing for that change and having that conversation, even though it was difficult. And, um, yeah, really paving the way for other people to be able to have that conversation again in the future. If nothing changed with you, um, at least it wouldn't be the first time, like you were the first time that someone was saying something. So anyone else that said something similar after you is just backing you up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, and, and creating like that path for other women and other people who had similar needs to follow. I think that takes a lot of bravery and a lot of strength and just like feeling really confident and sure of yourself and those are just things that I think uh, women would struggle with or they may just opt out of having the conversation altogether and not say anything and then and then leave mm-hmm. like go work somewhere else and that's totally fine too you know if you're not being if you're not get having your needs met in this environment go work right. somewhere else um but I also applaud you for being able to have the confidence to have that difficult conversation. Yeah. I think that's so awesome. Well, thanks. Well, and I, there were two younger women um, that worked below me at the time and they were in their early twenties and, and I was, you know, 39, 40 and like it didn't, lightly on me that I had two younger women watching how I handled the situation. Again, it kind of made me feel like that mother position. Like I knew they were watching. I knew that they also like me didn't see other women stand up in a workplace. So a lot of what I kept saying, I knew would have ramifications for them. I mean, there were times that there was kind of, I'm not going to say blowback, but it was very men versus women. And I'm within that office environment, but I felt like I needed to do that. And definitely, I wouldn't say I was terrified, but I was like, I know this is going to be uncomfortable. But I think, you know, work relationships are relationships. And just like whoever you're dating or you're married to or your friends, there has to be mutual respect. And if that isn't there, um, you know, if you were dating someone and they weren't showing you respect, they weren't listening to your needs, they weren't appreciating you and recognizing what you're contributing to the relationship, would you stay? No, probably not. It's, and, and in my opinion, you spend so much time at work. I mean, and really, if you love your job and you're pouring your blood, sweat and tears into your job, the relationship between you and your boss or you and your staff, that is so critical to what you do at the end of the day when you go home and your mindset and your, you know, just your soul and how you interact with the rest of the world. If those relationships just are not there, you should pick up and leave or you should change your staff. Um, There's no reason that we have to sit in these toxic relationships 
um, longer than we have to. Um, not to say that they don't take work and they don't take, um, you know, if you're not stepping up and having those difficult conversations, you shouldn't just walk away from it hands up because you're not going to learn anything from it and you're not going to um, impact any amount of change. But at the end of the day, if you're an employee whose needs are being met by your um, your supervisor or your leader, it's you can change. There are opportunities opportunities out there. There's places you'll be valued. Or if you have staff that aren't listening to you, then it's on you as the leader really to say, is this person toxic to my organization? Is this something that I need to be interjecting in? But, you know, those relationships are important and they're scary because you don't know really what's going to happen on the other side of them. But I think they're necessary, you know, and I think really going back to where we started in the beginning, we as, if you're a mom, you can take so much of what you've learned on how to work with your children or work with your spouse into those relationships and go, you know, how do I need to make sure that this is cultivated and then address the way um, and in order to make it healthy. Um, and again, I think that's such a big reason why women can be so powerful in the workplace. Um, and, and we need to really embrace that. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for being here on the show. Where can we go to follow you and learn more from you um do you take questions <laughs> god i'd love to take questions yeah absolutely i mean take my advice with a great assault and you know a line but um you can absolutely ask questions and if you want to learn more about innovation outpost you can just go to innovationoutpost.com our social handles are all at innovation outpost um i'm out on linkedin on um, and you can just find me at reagan hales on linkedin not really on twitter I got too many things going on to pay attention to Twitter. So you can just find me on those other channels. Awesome. Oh, thank you again. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to the Female Empowerment Podcast. I truly appreciate you being here. And I would love it if you shared this amazing episode with a friend. If you'd like to be a guest on the show, please reach out to me at brandingforwomen.com or send me a message on Instagram. My handle is at branding for women. See you next time.